0: This is a Crow's Nest podcast. Oh, and welcome back to Damsels Who Discuss.
1: I am Alexia, and I'm Gally. and we're not actually discussing an animated classic today. Oh, I'm
0: so glad that you said that because I was <laughs> I was about to go in the wrong movie. I was. That's a lie, everyone. I know exactly what we're here to discuss. We're here to discuss the nineteen sixty four classic Mary Poppins. So,
1: yeah, still a classic, not animated.
0: <laughs> it, it's but. it's it's partially animated, and yeah. I will. I'm not really familiar. I've noticed inherently in the same way that you are with Disney films. Is this the first besides um, besides the um, the package movies, which are more? I would say like they're they're all shorts so this is a feature-length film is this the first feature-length film that's actually done a combined live action like animation thing with Disney with Disney with Disney I'm not asking about the whole of cinema yeah
1: yeah well I mean uh, I think we have to ask if Song of the South counts because I like yes and no yeah yeah like it probably shouldn't (laughs) count but that definitely had live action and animation working together and that was not a package film but that's that's all I can think of off the top of my head
0: okay because I will admit I have not seen Song of the South so again that inherently did not leap out to me but that yeah that that's that's fair this would be the first uh Disney official Disney animated classic that we have donning the title
1: (laughs) totally totally agree with that um I this really... is also the first. Uh, You all can watch this movie as well. Like, I don't think we can. None of us can really watch Song of the South.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, unless you have a way of getting it. But I'm actually really excited to talk about this because we we talked briefly yesterday and we both have a number of talking points. So do you want me to just do my summary so we can get into our
1: chat? yeah let's just let's just dive in do the summary let's uh inform people what this movie is about if you've somehow lived your life without watching Mary Poppins
0: I would also like to point out um that my summaries are not very good this time and I I don't know why they're not very good I think it's because I'm giving this explanation before I get into the summary just because normally my summaries are a little bit like longer Mm -hmm. I think that I spent a lot of time just watching this movie totally fair and I don't mean that in a bad way. I was just, I was just having fun watching this movie.
1: Mary um, so Poppins I, sucked you in. It really did.
0: So yeah. I'm actually going to try to add in a couple of plot points in my summary, <laughs> just so that people who haven't seen it in a long time maybe remember some things. Um, <laughs> but my first one is, <clears throat> Mary Poppins, a live action and animated hybrid film from 1964, is a delightful romp through Edwardian London with Jane and Michael Banks as they start a magical journey with their new nanny, the titular Mary Poppins. With uh, banker father George always working and suffragette mother mother, mother Winifred always (laughs) rallying, the children quickly fall in love with their wonderful new nanny who takes them into chalk drawings to flying tea parties and to merry-go-round horse races. They ultimately learn to become a family again without the help of the nanny's magic as she disappears to help her next family. (laughs) Yeah. I usually have kind of like sarcastic ones. It's, It's somewhat sarcastic. All right. Here we go. Mary Poppins is a journey into the life of a dysfunctional family in 1910 um, London. George, a banker, is always away from home, leaving his wife, Winifred, to manage things. But she's always out at suffragette rallies because that's more important than making sure your kids don't run away, which they do very frequently. The family (laughs) hires or rather has the hiring imposed upon them by Mary Poppins, who blows in on the wind (laughs) to fix their family, which is an enormous task that could literally only be accomplished with magic. Along with her quote-unquote cockney friend, Bert, Mary Poppins takes the kids on magical adventures that amuse them and annoy their dad. These adventures include going into chalk paintings to ride merry-go-round horses, learning the word supercalifragilisticexpialidocious, taking multicolored tonic, (laughs) and causing a run on the bank that hasn't been seen since the Boston Tea Party. (laughs) After causing this total havoc on the London banking scene and getting their dad epically and embarrassingly fired, the kids have learned lessons about absolutely nothing as their dad gets their job back and Mary Poppins flies away, giving the parents credit for her miraculously mending the
1: family. So I want to um, (laughs) also mention that I prepared for this episode by doing two things. Okay. One, I watched the Barbie movie and then I watched it a second time. And two... I rewatched for probably the 900th time the uh, Simpson season eight episode, Simpson Simpsons Califragilisticexpialidocious. So I thoroughly believe I remember this movie in total.
0: You know what? I prepare for it in a different way in that I watched this movie and I have also seen the sequel and I have seen the uh, making of biographical movie, Saving Mr. Banks.
1: Okay, so I I need to still check out Saving Mr. Banks. That's definitely on my list. And I feel like eventually we might end up watching the sequel again together. Just a thought. We might.
0: I will say Saving Mr. Banks is actually really good. Um it it is it is not a family film. It is a drama. Um it's got a few comedic elements to it, I will say, but it's a really well-done movie. It genuinely makes me cry. Um and in in a, in a good way because it also shows how you know the making of things isn't always just easy you know mm-hmm. what i mean you know especially with things like disney there's a lot of this assumption that everything is happened happens in this disney way where it's like it doesn't it doesn't really but um tell me because i brought it up 605 times tell me about your impressions of the party movie this has nothing to do with mary poppins but tell me tell me <laughs>
1: Um, absolutely nothing to do with Mary Poppins, but let's no. see here. If we imagine Barbie as Mary Poppins flying in to make every woman's life better, but also failing completely because that's not how it works, then it kind of <laughs> works. It's an allegory. <laughs> um No, I, I, I genuinely enjoyed Barbie. I think that it was mm-hmm. uh smart, it was funny, it was feminist as fuck. Like it was yeah. it was just I, I <laughs> laughed so many times. Like
0: yes. thoroughly
1: enjoyable. I
0: I agree. I I've talked about it pretty favorably on here. From the costumes to the writing, I adore everything about it. I thought it was beautiful. I thought it was wonderful. I really liked it. And I actually I can't exactly relate it back to Mary Poppins, but for some reason <laughs> it gives me a lot of similar like happy feelings and and, I, I, and and they're very they're very, obviously they're very different movies but it's in both of them it's a woman being like this is how i am and who i am and you know managing to better the lives of people around her just by existing you know barbie doesn't i mean she changes but not to suit other people she changes because it's the natural progression of her life and how she wants it to go and mary poppin doesn't mary poppins doesn't change but she helps other people to change to help them straighten out the natural progressions of their life
1: unless it's the simpsons episode in which case (laughs) sherry bobbins attempts to help people straighten out the natural progression of their life but then she meets the simpsons who just kind of don't they they literally say they do not learn anything from her
0: i is now the time to tell everyone that i've never seen an episode of the simpsons
1: i mean now's as good a time as any but it's okay (laughs) you know it's okay that you've never seen an episode of The Simpsons because I've seen all the episodes of The Great. Simpsons. So we just even each other out.
0: You know what? That's awesome because I also have no intention of fixing that. It's not one of those things where I'm like, I'm just like proud of it. But Galley's known me for a long time. I also know that it's like I I have a pretty good handle on what I will and will not like. Yeah. Especially in terms of sitting down to watch a show, and I just don't think that The Simpsons is going to be my style of like humor. And that's fine. But I very much understand two things about it. Number one, that it is funny for a good number of people. And that some of the jokes in it are indisputably hilarious. Individual things that I have seen can be extremely funny. And number two, that show has had an absolutely indescribable impact on the cultural zeitgeist you'd be foolish to have to say that it doesn't like there's memes and things from the simpsons that even i understand it's so prevalent like i know what the homer simpson donut is like everyone fucking knows what that looks like like i know what don't is or eat my shorts like these are just things that become so in the
1: zeitgeist they
0: are and a few of those things that is also true for some of the things from mary poppins some of the things from mary poppins are just Part of the zeitgeist, where if you've never yeah. seen the movie, you've probably heard "spoonful of sugar makes the medicine go down." You've probably heard someone at least say, maybe even jokingly, or in a in like a sketch of some kind, "super califragilistic You've you've heard these things. You've heard someone do a horrible ch- uh, Cockney accent while being a chimney sweep. Like there's
1: <laughs> what what, governor? Well, yeah. <laughs> a, hello, governor. Yeah. Uh. Well, this. I think that this is a pretty good lead in also to what our relationship is with this movie like as a kid so
0: I didn't didn't have one um really I had I did not see Mary Poppins until my adult years I I don't remember exactly when I was in my 20s it's not like it happened a a day ago but not like Sleeping Beauty that was legitimate I had not seen Sleeping Beauty until the day before we recorded I'd seen Mary Poppins before but I hadn't seen it in my childhood but I had a, once again I had a sing-along songs VHS and yeah. it had Super supercalifragilisticexpialidocious on it
1: so I do want to I do mm-hmm. want to ask you as a uh-huh. kid did you uh watch any of these kind of older musicals like did you watch Hello Dolly did you watch um Oh, yeah, South Pacific, all of that stuff, but, but somehow Mary Poppins <laughs> just skipped you by.
0: Again, I think this is all a matter of what, what did you own and what didn't you own and, you know, yeah. or what did your parents choose to introduce you to? Like, it's not that they didn't, they intentionally kept me away from Mary Poppins, but we saw like, um, I'd seen Sound of Music. I had seen Fiddler on the Roof, um, more than I, I I'm, I'm drawing blanks on the ones that I've seen, yeah, well, but, yeah, uh, of course, all, like, Music Man, all, all those old classics. But the, I before Mary Poppins, I had actually seen Bedknobs and Broomsticks, and I was way more familiar with Bedknobs and Broomsticks than any of my peers who had all seen Mary Poppins. And no one knew what the hell I was talking about when I've bed Bedknobs and Broomsticks. They're like, like it's a Disney movie, and again, I can't just bring up my phone and prove it. They're like, no, it's not. And I'm like,
1: it, it is. is. That's so wild to me because both of those movies are just so, so well before either of our time that it's not I like know. it's not like one of them came out and you were just like, ah, I just missed Mary Poppins, but I watched right. Bedknobs Knobs and Broomsticks.
0: And my mom showed me Bedknobs and Broomsticks and and again, I, I don't think it was on purpose, but um what about you? Did you you did you just watch it growing up because you've seen all the movies growing up?
1: You know, apparently I have. Like <laughs> the more that we look at this list of movies, the more that I'm like I managed to see everything on on this list, um, animated or not, because I, I definitely did see Mary Poppins, and I definitely did see Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Mm-hmm. And I saw Mary Poppins multiple times, and I do think that I liked it as a small child, mm-hmm. but I don't know. I have such a... I don't know. I don't know what my relationship really is with this movie, aside from I... <laughs> I, I, there's a couple of moments from it that like really just like stand out in my mind is like I remember watching this as a kid at home mm-hmm. um, when we inevitably get to it but the the penguin dance for some reason <laughs> is just stuck in my head uh-huh. uh, and Mary Poppins pulling out a full-length um standing lamp from her bag yeah like those stick in my head but there's a lot of parts of this movie that I didn't really enjoy as a kid that's fair. And I have to say, I felt the same when I rewatched it as an adult. <laughs> That's fair.
0: I actually really enjoyed it as an adult. We can we can also yeah. just start getting into it because um, I like things and also comment on things basically, immediately from the beginning, like, yeah, I do like the um for the credits for this one, it is a these nice cool watercolor backgrounds of London. Mm-hmm. instead of just boring pieces of paper.
1: Yeah, and it's actually um, kind of a fun little med- medley, too, of the soundtrack.
0: Yeah, an overture, if you will. Um, I will. <laughs> and the first thing we hear is uh, Dick Van Dyke, and he's got a bit of a royal accent, does he? But what I wrote down here is the accent is wild, but Dick Van Dyke is so fucking good. Just, I'm sorry, from the second he's on the screen, he is selling The role,
1: but but multiple roles. He's he is he is two hundred percent yes down for everything in Mary Poppins. Yeah, and I truly think that he's um really one of the reasons that this movie is so successful is just his pure charisma on screen.
0: A hundred percent agree, and this is gonna lend. I mean, as well, I'm actually gonna wait till we meet Mary Poppins to bring up this point, but. Mm Even with the accent being absolutely bananas, he, as you said, has this charisma, and he is giving 110% every second he is in front of this camera. He's like, I'm Bert. Welcome. This is my city. Yeah. And you believe it. You're like, yeah, this man knows everything.
1: Uh, he knows everything and everyone. Yes, including
0: this incredibly tiny lady. <laughs> yes
1: my gosh because it it appears that he's so we are brought to Bert being a street performer as he does literally everything he's he's the he's
0: doing that one man I don't know I think there's a name for that thing but it's that one man band contraption that's got the drum the harmonica a horn a cymbal
1: Mm -hmm. everything it I I like I've only ever heard of it as one man band um but i don't know what else it is. i don't know what else it is and i keep trying to remember a reference to a commercial from like the late 90s that i'm not going to bring up that had that too but (laughs) um enjoy my tangents that go nowhere there's plenty more where those came from i'm excited but uh, yeah i think something that i was really uh (laughs) drawn by was how um he kind of violently does his street performance at the people sitting nearby. What no, just...
0: he does, he's so energetic that it's almost concerning. He has. He's like, Let me play my harmonica at you. In your ear. Yeah. Just in case you have hearing left, I'm going to honk a clown horn 600 times in your other one.
1: Right? Oh. This is an instrument for people on meth. Like, this is not a normal <laughs> person instrument.
0: It's true, but to be also fa- perfectly fair, he is so cute that if I were a woman in that time and era, I too would stand around and watch him do whatever. So to be like, all right, he's he's also charismatic. He'll come talk to you if you give him a little coin. It's like I could while away some time. Like, this.
1: yeah, yeah, you're like I'm cool with this. I'm cool with this, mm-hmm.
0: and, and you everyone know- is pretty cool. Like even the constable who doesn't tip him at least like watches the whole performance he's not like clear out killer out he's like very good very good yeah, yeah. he allows it this <laughs> is like Bert's street corner basically to do what yes. he wants because <laughs> we'll, we'll meet him several times throughout the movie but i think this might be the only time or one of the only times where bert directly addresses the audience
1: yeah, actually, that was a really weird part about this movie is the the choices to have a narrator talking to the audience versus just kind of being the silent fly on the wall for what's happening in the movie.
0: And it's interesting because I really do think it only happened this one time. Every other time we encounter him, he has reason to address other people in the scene. Like Mary Poppins is there or the kids are there. But this is the one time where we quote unquote approach him where it's just the camera and he looks right as like oh hello there what can i do you
1: do you think that this was a stylistic choice that they added in at the very end like after they had written the script they were like oh crap how do we introduce what's happening here uh i don't know we'll have bert tell everyone honestly probably not this seems like it was
0: written in Hmm. considering that they deliberately passed by canon man
1: it's true and waste time on that you want to talk about them
0: yeah let's talk about mermaid man and barnacle boy
1: yeah yeah i love that mermaid man and barnacle boy
0: (laughs) Uh, mr binnacle is actually one of their names mr binnacle it's admiral something admiral and mr binnacle admiral boom admiral boom which honestly sounds like a great roller derby name
1: Admiral Boom reporting for service.
0: Admiral, it also sounds like a nickname that Aang came up with in the Avatar The Last Airbender when he's hiding out. Admiral Boom at your service.
1: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) I I have a love-hate relationship with these two who, in my head, are an old gay couple. Oh, yeah. That loves the sea.
0: Uh, I have an inherently hate relationship with this couple. I just, I'm so baffled by how the neighborhood is just good with admiral boom you we see several times in this movie that whenever he fires a cannon it shakes everyone's literal houses and walls and causes potential damage and everyone's just kind of like well this just happens in our na- in our hood
1: yeah everyone is is acrobatic and nimble enough to be able to retrieve all of their lost items before they seriously get knocked down i i I love them for their individuality and them expressing themselves. But holy crap do I hate what they do.
0: That I you know what I think that's kind of where I land with this, where it's sort of like I I I appreciate a good love of the sea, obviously. Yes. Yes. Uh but I Jesus. I also what was their point in the movie? Uh they provided teeny tiny exposition. Like how the wind was changing, but that was completely yeah.
1: unnecessary. We didn't, yeah. we didn't need that. I so I will say my biggest criticism of this movie is its length because it's almost two and a half hours long.
0: It's very long. That I will. That's a legitimate, a legitimate criticism. It is a very long movie. Again, I like it, and I actually think that most of it is very entertaining there are some sections that i didn't particularly like where i'm like i'd be willing to sacrifice them um a little bit like i would be willing to cut the admiral boom stuff yeah it would probably lose us about 10 minutes of runtime which would help
1: yeah i think it would and you know there's other ways you can show the wind changing or mm-hmm. maybe you can bring back a bert to
0: talk well, he says at it. us
1: for a minute he no, I mean it. to, to fill in the other elements where the, uh, that's true. That's true. Room comes in. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cause Bert's actually the one who initially points out that the wind changes. He sings it for us.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: <laughs> so we already knew that, but Bert takes us to, um, number 17, Cherry Tree Lane, where the Banks family lives. And this is, I think the last time that we are addressed. Now we go into the traditional, like third person view and we hear so many dishes crashing, And then as it turns out, what's happening is the nanny has quit. And I wrote down in here, why are dishes being slammed if a nanny is leaving? That just, that seems like an intense reaction for somebody quitting.
1: There were a lot of kind of confusing moments about this woman quitting. To be honest, where I was like, leave, walk out and leave. But I guess she needed to go scorched earth. Maybe that was it. Yeah
0: she wanted her money from mrs banks who was not in the house
1: which i mean i get it. it's 1910 it's not like you're going to get a direct deposit or you can just venmo somebody the right. the money but yeah, she had a postal address i'm just saying
0: <laughs> but yeah no she um she she wants to leave and um mrs banks comes in and sings us a, the song sister suffragettes
1: Yes, which I truly enjoyed the line, we agree that as a group, they're rather stupid when talking yeah, about men.
0: Though we adore men individually, we agree that as a group, they're rather stupid. Yes. Um. So they sing this song, and I wrote down, I love these long-suffering employees. Because they sing along with her, which makes me wonder how often does this happen?
1: I So just judging by how... Um, Mrs. Banks, Miss Winifred Banks, Winifred lives Banks. her life. She is such a, a lady of leisure with a uh eye on change, but only mm-hmm. for women and only for this very small part of being a suffragette. So, <laughs> I feel like she does just repeat herself day after day after day. She wears the same thing day after day. After day. Yes, it's true. Um, yeah. And when they
0: hear, so she sings her song coming through the door and we hear i think george banks either whistling or singing a little bit and she says to um the cook and to ellen the maid to hide her suffragette ribbons because you know how the cause infuriates mr banks and she also begs katie nana who is the the um the the nanny who's leaving she begs her not to leave and says that mr banks was just beginning to get used to you what are these one-liners she's got in her pocket
1: she also, I'm going to make a lot of like Simpsons references probably throughout this discussion. Okay. Um But she also says, think of the children. And all I could do was think of Mrs. Lovejoy from The Simpsons saying, won't somebody please think of, think the, of children? the children? Well, she's trying to get her not to quit because we're
0: finding out that this is the fourth time this week that the kids have run away from this nanny.
1: Yes. And they've also had, this is skipping ahead a little bit, but they've had uh-huh. six nannies in the last in four months. Four months.
0: That, in case anyone is wondering, is bananas.
1: I don't know who's wondering this other than people who don't have kids. Maybe.
0: (laughs) Like, if you have kids that are going through that many nannies, the problem is your child. Right? Let me be the one to tell you. The problem is your kid. Because most people that I know who are nannies, and again, this might be me being spoiled or whatever. Most people that I know who are are nannies or most people that I know who have been nannies or done some kind of childcare are good at their job and they actually care quite a bit. Yeah. again, there are obviously horror stories and terrible people who do the wrong thing who are terrible to children. But, you know, for the most part, people don't come into child care because they, for the most part, everybody, for the most part, people don't get into child care because they hate children. Like there's a reason I didn't go into childcare. I don't like children.. Same. Mm-hmm.
1: And now here we are talking about children's movies. Here we are. Um, but I also
0: would like to point out that Mr. Banks also gets a song as he comes through the door.
1: Yeah, it's, he, <laughs> he does I, I when i was re-watching this i was like i thought mr banks had more music related to him kind of
0: he sings this song or version of it several times throughout the film
1: yeah i think that's it the fact that he just kind of reprises the life i lead that's the, yeah. that's the song he sings yeah, yeah 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 which now is probably a good time to mention that this movie also has um uh, songs composed by the Sherman Brothers, which are going yes. to come up many a times. A lot, yeah.
0: Um. So Mr. Banks is furious about this nanny thing and tells Winifred write down this incredibly incoherent ad for a nanny. That to me is more of a description of how to run a bank and a civil service. Which that's all <laughs> he knows. <laughs> it's true um but it's okay because the kids who we find out are named jane and michael mm-hmm. little boy and little girl they've written their own advertisement and they're prepared to tell it to us in
1: song yes and this is the song that i actually chose you i to was sing. about to say is this the one so i actually <clears throat> well i need the actual lyrics for this one
0: <laughs> i know the um the perfect the yeah. But I don't know the um I I do like okay, there's a there's a little spoken bit in the beginning where Jane Banks goes, Wanted, a nanny for two adorable children. And Mr. Banks goes, adorable. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, he also I I, I wrote this down because I loved this little interaction. When he just walks in and is talking to to his wife Winifred, and Winifred's like, George, the children are gone, he just responds with splendid, splendid.
0: This is a man that listens. Yeah, Um, But I will give him small credit. He listens to this entire advertisement because he has something to say about every line. Um, I'm just going to go for the first one because Jane starts and says, If you want this choice position, have a cheery disposition. Rosy cheeks, no waltz. Play games, all sorts. You must be kind. You must be witty, very sweet and fairly pretty. Take us on outings. Give us treats. Sing songs. Bring sweets.
1: Yes, and this all good things. It's all good things, <laughs> and. Seasoning. The Simpsons episode <laughs> really hits a lot of beats because they hit this song um, and they do oh, but... a, a cute little parody and I cannot find the lyrics to it right now but off the top of my head I do remember Lisa singing um, won't you teach us magic tricks and Homer responding with might I add no fat chicks <laughs> So, oh I think it. I found a little bit here if you
0: wish to be our sitter please be sweet and never bitter yes help us with math and book reports might i add eat my shorts (laughs) if maggie's fussy don't avoid her let me get away with Moira. teach us (laughs) songs and magic tricks might i add no fat chicks the nanny we want is kindly and sage and one who will work for minimum wage (laughs) hurry nanny things are grim i'll do it anyone but him this is a uh, minimum wage nanny.
1: Minimum wage nanny. That's it from the
0: ap- episode you were talking about, and from the album "Go Simponic, Go Simpsonic with
1: the Simpsons. <laughs> a lot of a lot of info out of this, <laughs> but yeah, but, I I do like the perfect nanny song.
0: <laughs> I do. I think it's funny. I think it's equally funny that uh, George's reaction, as soon as the kids are out of eyesight, is to tear it up and throw it into the fireplace. <laughs> not what even like loving up.
1: father
0: i like how he doesn't even like crumple it up and put it in his pocket it's like no this is utter
1: trash yeah
0: <laughs> but it's okay because it Get gets down sucked-
1: children you don't it- know how to write this that's why you're kids because you're stupid that's what it is
0: exactly but it's okay because it gets um just sucked up through the fireplace
1: yes and who does it find miss mary poppins
0: um i before we move, i had a couple of notes about this mostly mm-hmm. from the song the life i lead he was saying that the kids should go off to bed at 6 15 which i think is an incredibly early bedtime especially considering their age he also says when um winifred is trying to talk to him uh she says something like but these are just the facts and he says kindly do not attempt the cloudy issue with facts This is mansplaining the song. Yep. Uh, Winifred also says something like, when I hired Katie and I thought she would be firm with the children because she looked stern and cross. And he says, never confuse efficiency with a liver complaint. (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Um, But yeah, both of these ads suck. But I think what's impressive to me is that Mary Poppins magically gets the perfect nanny ad. But the ad that was placed in the Times, which was placed the night before, was somehow posted, read, and responded to by the following morning.
1: Well, this is the time period in film where they want us to believe that there's morning and evening posts. So. This still seems really quick. It does seem very quick. Like, I've never fully understood that about movies when they're like, it will be in the evening post or something like that. But there is just like a litany of nannies that just appear. (laughs) and also most of the nannies
0: are men in drag so that they would look comparatively like big and masculine and not pretty against julie andrews as mary poppins who we see in a few seconds are you
1: are you saying that mary poppins uh was the inspiration behind mrs Doubtfire? i mean it Uh, probably was probably that specifically maybe probably yeah
0: um, I like how when she lands she's wearing this kind of coral colored scarf with this very basic pattern because I definitely crocheted a scarf like that several for friends but I've made
1: that scarf <laughs> well now you need to make more of them and then sell them as Mary Poppins' scarf I do but...
0: um, she befuddles everyone especially George because she blows into the place immediately and instead of saying hi I'm Mary Poppins she's like You are the father of Jane and Michael Banks. Well,
1: we also need to note that she literally blows the rest of the nannies away. Like all of those big old men. Just get whooshed. Yeah. Um, It's almost like a cannon was fired into the air and just blasted them away from the doorstep.
0: Yeah, so that she just has to land gracefully with her umbrella, um, ring the doorbell. And as soon as Ellen opens it, she just blows right by her and stomps into the room where george is and goes you are the father of jane and michael banks yeah (laughs) and then she goes into
1: her list of demands
0: (laughs) well first she takes out the advertisement (laughs) which has been mended and george banks notices that because she starts reading the the um perfect nanny yeah and commenting on how she's like well i am pretty obviously i will play games you know, all these things. And George is wandering around, pantomiming, tearing up a piece of paper and throwing it into the fireplace.
1: I just, I just don't understand. I thought I did this. Exactly.
0: And yes, that's when, um, halfway through, this is when Mary Poppins starts going into her wages. Like, I need every second Tuesday.
1: Yeah. And she gets into like, I think a trial period would be a very good idea. A week. I'll be with you for a week. She
0: said, I'll give you a week. I'll know by then. Yeah. And then she immediately leaves and slides up the banister because it's Mary Poppins, naturally.
1: Her butt definitely polished that banister.
0: I also love how Winifred comes into the room and is like, George, why do you have your head in the fireplace? And she has a great memory because she's like, well, what about this nanny? Is she everything that we wanted? Is she going to mold our young... She's reciting his ad back to to him and it's like, she's got a very good memory.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like she has to around George <laughs> Banks, because I feel like he's the type that will, like, do something really stupid and she needs to call him out on it. That's fair. Yeah.
0: Um, But Mary Poppins meets the kids, brings them up to the nursery and into her quarters, her sleeping quarters.
1: Yes, yes. The nanny's quarters where she in- immediately uh, unpacks using some amazing 1960s movie magic.
0: I do like this carpet bag scene where she is pulling out a plant, a full-size hat stand, a giant lamp, a massive mirror.
1: It's so great. And I I just love the kids' reaction to this because these kids play around with this set piece so well. They're Mm -hmm. like, how? How is this happening?
0: I think that there's certain child actors that are really good there's some that are really bad and I will say like I don't think that these two are like super super superstars but they're pretty good you know they're they're trying they're giving it an effort they're you know interacting as you said interacting with the set piece (laughs) they're not doing the but what will happen to us you know they're they're trying they're really in and that's part of what sells the scene in that way.
1: Yeah, I I will say, though, that the the actor who played Michael, I felt kind of bad for his face in a lot of the scenes. He looked like an 82 year old, like he had he looked like he had Benjamin Button disease.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I in the same, you know, Mary Poppins joke, like, close your mouth. You're not a codfish. I think that's someone he was at that age where he just needs to constantly be reminded to close his mouth.
1: Yes, exactly.
0: That's that's really a lot of it. But um, we get into one of the iconic songs then. Spoonful of sugar because Mary Poppins takes them into the uh, untidy nursery and shows them how to clean up with magic. And I forget self driving cars. I also would like self cleaning rooms. Get on this.
1: Right. So I would love this to happen for me too, but I feel what's more realistic. <laughs> Is the Simpsons version of this song, which instead of them talking about a spoonful of sugar, um, is to do the American way, which is to half-ass everything and just hide. Uh huh. So like, oh, you you have uh toys laying around, just put them under the rug under your bed. That's the way to do it.
0: Basically, put them in a box.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah putting them in a box would actually be putting them away. Have somebody else put them. In a box. <laughs> but. I do wish that a spoonful of sugar were real. Me too. Um,
0: but then they uh, they finish cleaning the nursery and then they head out for an
1: outing in the park. Oh, I did have a note on this. Oh. Um, Mary Poppins is the first person to gamify something. Oh, yeah. Be- because this whole song is about making cleaning a game and like mm-hmm. coming up with these ideas and I Did not pick up on that until now. So all of you people who are like on LinkedIn posting about how you're gamifying things for great ROI and KPIs and other acronyms that really mean nothing. They do. You should really be thanking Mary Poppins. We should all thank Mary Poppins a little bit more. We should. And she would appreciate it because she is the most perfectly smug person in existence. (laughs) I drew like two sketches for this because it was live action. (laughs) There's a lot happening.
0: Yes. Um, they we then cut to Bert, who is drawing cute little chalk paintings on the sidewalk.
1: Those aren't just cute little chalk paintings; these are amazingly They're done. They're very good
0: chalk paintings, <laughs> and he's just drawing them on the sidewalk.
1: Well oh, like who are you, who are you drawing them for? You're not gonna. I I guess he'll get tuppence.
0: Yeah, because you can't sell them. No one can take them home. It's just as as you say. He puts his cap down and hopes that people throw him some coins. Yeah. Um. This is where we find out that Bert and Mary Poppins know each other. I don't. I don't. I would like to know how they met.
1: I'd love to know how they met too, because I feel like I okay. Here's my off the cuff cuff thinking. Bert himself has some type of magical property to him, like the way that he's able to do all of these things and just kind of understand the magic that Mary Poppins has. So I think that the two of them are fae creatures. I
0: wonder if he's yeah. less magical and more just like one of those people that knows like a cleric mm. to a deity.
1: Ooh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's it. Maybe Mary Poppins is his deity. Maybe because like,
0: because <laughs> he, as you said, clearly has a grasp on what she can do because he comes up um, and they're looking at his drawings and she, I think Jane or Michael, one of the kids is like, we're going for an outing in the park. Mm-hmm. And he's like, it's not just going to be an outing in the park. If it's a thing with Mary Poppins, there's going to be some magic involved.
1: Yeah. He got exactly. this whole thing. And he knows, like, exactly what to do to make the mm-hmm. magic happen. He just doesn't have the little <laughs> bewitched nose wiggle to be able yeah. to make it occur. He
0: doesn't have the spark. Yeah. But as you said, he knows exactly what to do. He knows the ritual. It just doesn't work for him. But I do like that it prompts Mary Poppins to do it instead of being like, I don't know what you're talking
1: about, dude. Oh my god. Mary Poppins throughout this entire movie is very, oh, you with her yeah. eyes rolling towards him. Like, yes. um, I... Yes I can be a phenomenal person like you think I am. Just here's a side a couple okay, that <laughs> might be a good time to talk about a couple things.
0: Number one is that, um I'm sorry, I'm trying to Google the exact wording here.
1: They
0: mm-hmm. don't remember exactly what it was. Um, there's <sighs> there's a very sort of romantic, at least in one direction um feeling here where it's kind of very obvious that mary poppins at least is aware that he's into her but he is very obviously interested in her yes um and i don't really i think i googled somewhere that like or when i saw at some point in time that Um, P.L. Travers who is the author of the original Mary Poppins books was extremely against the idea of there being romance between Bert and Mary Poppins she also was very insistent that it is never ever just Mary it's always Mary Poppins you don't marry it's Mary Poppins that's why I I do it that way because I'm like P.L. Travers yelled at me from the past (laughs) Um, but I find that so interesting that she was so against it But if if, if you watch Saving Mr. Banks or if you kind of look into the story behind it, you'll notice that she and Disney had a lot of contention in the making of the movie. And he just Mm -hmm. did what he wanted to do anyway. So I'm wondering if he wanted there to be romance but knew that if he put it explicitly in there that she might have an absolute fucking fit, withdraw consent or something. Because especially in the song Jolly Holiday, he is obviously moon-eyeing her.
1: Which, Jolly Holiday with Mary... Not Jolly Holiday with Mary Poppins.
0: I know. And I'm, it's, it's, it's just, it's interesting little things. But yeah, I, yeah, the, yeah. that was, that was a big thing where, yeah, these were things again that P.L. Travers, the author, was very insistent upon. It's never Mary, it's always Mary Poppins. And there's no romance between Bert and Mary Poppins. But it, both of those things happen a little bit in this movie where, yeah, in this song, he calls her Mary. Um, and there's that, at least to me, particularly, obvious overture of romance like
1: yes i there were multiple times when i was writing like just kiss already
0: yeah i i wrote in my notes this would be an outright this would be like the kiss the girl song in an ordinary disney film
1: yeah it would be and i i think that's very interesting that the original author was also in contention with walt which is not (laughs) which is nothing new um a lot of original creators of stuff that that Walt Disney used uh were not happy <laughs> with the final mm-hmm. product. Um but I really agree with her on not having Mary Poppins and Bert be a romantic couple in this movie. I do too. I just It does make me wish that they took away some of that overt romanticism that appears in the movie just to make it even more platonic. I agree. I don't think they could have.
0: I think they could have, but the the way they would have done it was just told Bert in this, I mean, Bert, Dick Van Dyke in this one song would be like, don't make it so flirtatious. Just make it more like, ah, shucks, I'm your buddy. Like there's a scene, for example, where she's talking about how good of a friend he is and how he's genteel and he looks dismayed. If he wanted it yeah. to just be platonic, you should have been like, "Oh, like bashful, like these are compliments I love hearing from you. These are things that I want to hear from you and are not dejecting to me because I'm happy with our relationship. But his reaction to me was very much like, what what but well, um
1: i I just mean that I don't think that they could have gotten away with removing the romance at the time, like I feel like so many hmm. movies in the nineteen sixties were about romance and Disney and all of that that.
0: But this is the only this is the only moment in the film where it's any at any point even like overt none of the other numbers with them like the next time we see them like dancing together in any capacity is step in time. And that's just a good fucking time. But that's true. (laughs) One thing I want to say is about I love her painting dress. I think this may be one of my favorite Disney costumes of all time is her the white dress with the red cincher. It's so gorgeous. I I need one day I need to get good enough to make that costume because it's amazing yes Um, and this segment actually (laughs) leads into my other discussion which is when we see them dancing a lot which is it's very obvious that these two are broadway stars
1: yeah i mean this this also relates back to uh, the barbie discussion that we had where if you hire broadway stars for your movies that they're the ones to hire for musicals because they're Mm -hmm. going to get these amazing moves down and they're going to make it look flawless and easy and like, they're literally floating on air. Well,
0: not only that, but there is an art, a very specific art to delivering a convincing performance while you're singing and dancing, even if you know the vocals are going to be overdubbed later. Yeah. Because you can simply mouth along with a thing where you're like, I'm just talking, I'm just talking, and you're not putting effort in. Or you can do what you see here clearly with um, uh, Julie Andrews and Dick Van Dyke, where, this is clearly overdubbing. You do studio recordings for these at a later time, especially when you're singing and dancing, but you would think that they were singing on site based on their performances. They align so well with how one would actually perform while moving that it is convincing. You can see them doing the vibrato in their throat, the breathing. That's mm-hmm. another thing that blows my mind about some of the modern day remakes where you'll see, you'll, see, you'll hear the character doing Ah, uh, with that incredible vibrato, but the person in the in the thing who's actually doing it is just going ah. Uh, so when you yeah. put that really emotive singing over it, it sounds and looks wrong.
1: Yeah, I know exactly what you mean. It's mm-hmm. like it looks like um. It looks like for Mary Poppins, they actually performed everything live on a sta- sound stage. Yes,
0: it yeah. does every single thing by every single performer. Mm-hmm. It looks like the audio was recorded right then and there.
1: So, I think it's also worth noting that the choreographer for mm-hmm. Mary Poppins is the same person who chor- who did choreography for The Sound of Music and Chitty Chitty Bang Bang as well. Mm-hmm. And I think that really shows because it's kind yeah. of a very it's a, it's a similar theme. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it's got it's got a very similar style, but this 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 is just exemplary to me of why I don't think that the live action movies work. Because the people they get in are good actors and good singers, but they're missing that crucial element of dancing and singing at the same time and then <laughs> being able to do that in front of the camera, understanding you'll have to give the exact same vocal performance in the booth that's a very different kind of actress or actor you know and i just don't see that being done the same way now and that's not to say like oh you're a bad actor or oh you're a bad singer it's like but you're not a musical theater performer that's where it sold it all sells short for me
1: so what you're really telling me is they need to remake mary poppins with drag queens because drag queens are going to get <laughs> I actually
0: <laughs> really like the remake I think that Emily Blunt does a great job as Mary Poppins she sells the performance really well and I actually like Lin-Manuel Miranda as the sidekick we'll, well get to li- that later on in our lineup but you'll have to let me know how you feel about that because I think that people give pretty good performances in that one as well but you know fair. yeah and but, but, that's but Lin-Manuel
1: Miranda falls under your yes, he Broadway star. So that, that part makes total sense.
0: It does. Yeah. But I mean, it's just, you notice it here. You notice it here with everyone who performs. You notice it with Julie Andrews, with um, Dick Van Dyke. And it's, I don't know. There's just something magnetic about it.
1: Yeah, I totally agree. But you know what I didn't notice? No. When they hop into this painting, Mm -hmm. the kids separate, and we don't know where they go. No, they don't. I thought at one point they they separate from... Well, um... they
0: hop in together, and then the kids want to go to the merry-go-round, so they go running off, and Mary Poppins and Bert go singing.
1: Oh, that's what it was. (laughs) Okay. I was sitting here like, the kids just kind of, like, I look down for half the second when the kids leave, and then we watched the five minutes of uh jolly holiday with mary where they go on an entire date basically and i'm like wait where are the kids are they murdering farm animals what's happening here no
0: they ran off to the merry-go-round that we see later where the horses detach and they go um join
1: a horse race that's it which i did draw one of those horses because yeah it looked like a demon horse it did it's
0: horrifying (laughs) one of the horses as you've shown me is very angry looking but yeah it mary poppins wins the race and this is where supercalifragilisticexpialidocious comes in um yes i'm not a big fan of horse races um i think they're cruel to horses
1: but i am a big fan of things that give me caramel apples i'm a big fan of things that give me caramel apples too and i i actually remember performing supercalifragilisticexpialidocious in school (laughs) yeah but I can't recall if I performed it in um chorus or orchestra. Details. <laughs> Details. Oh, they escape my memory. I'm so old. Well,
0: the this scene ends pretty shortly after Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious ends, like almost right afterwards. Um, it starts raining and the paintings start dissolving. so
1: sad. Sad, sad, sad.
0: They have to run home.
1: Um, and this is where the... And I guess Bert goes to sleep on a park bench or something. He just...
0: Yeah, I, they just leave him there in the rain where he's hopping and skipping and dancing and, like, kicking away his hours of work of his paintings. Just, <laughs> here's the watered-down painting of mine.
1: That was very... Um, <laughs> as an artist who's also done, like, chalk paintings before, that was mm-hmm. very me going... I see you didn't draw these yourself. Otherwise, you wouldn't have just kicked them like that.
0: <laughs> he has such a cavalier attitude, but yeah. Michael does not have a cavalier attitude because back at the Banks
1: house, Mary Poppins wants them to take some medicine. Yes, she does want them to take some medicine. Um, uh, this, was, this was a scene as a kid that I watched and was so perplexed and so enamored by the idea that, like, You could just, A, pour out that teaspoon Mm -hmm. and of an unknown liquid (laughs) to a child in 1910 and be like, drink this, and they'll do it. And B, that it would change colors depending on the spoon. And I was just fascinated. I love that. And
0: I also wish that my medication at any point in time tasted like anything that their medicine tasted like. Because mine always just tastes fucking gross yeah what medicine give did they give them i don't know but it, i want it
1: it's i bet that in reality it would be like like fish oil or something like that <laughs> or like i don't know actually it's 1910 maybe it would be a mixture like, of like ha- liquid, liquid cocaine yeah <laughs> <laughs> thc liquid cocaine all something, mixed together Yeah, something really good for you yeah really good for your kids <laughs>
0: Um, we get another song which is Stay Awake. Uh <laughs> I don't love this song. It's the one this this one, and I have to admit, I don't love I love to laugh. I think that this segment goes on way too long.
1: Yes. Oh my gosh. I hate this song. Okay. I hate, I hate Stay Awake so so much. I don't love Stay Awake. It's not great. It's a Disney movie and they like have to have a lullaby in it now. That's what I They learning. also have Feed
0: the Birds which is which also, also oh I love that. I think that is a great song. I like it. Um but we don't need both of them.
1: I totally agree with that. We don't need both of them. If I no. had to choose one, I would choose Feed the Birds. Mhm. I would also get rid of I love to laugh. Which I don't. Even I... though I love Edwin. I... Yeah, I do. I do I do truly like our Winnie the Pooh just like Or no, that wasn't Winnie the Pooh. No, 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 no. 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 no.
0: He's a, he a Mad Hatter.
1: Something else. Yes, Mad Hatter. That's it. That's it. That's it. I loved him showing up. And I have a broad memory of this song in particular being cut oh. from at least one theatrical version Maybe. of Mary Poppins. But I might be wrong. It's possible. Um, it's
0: not a great song. Mary Poppins is leading the kids to do some chores when they meet Andrew the dog who barks at her and tells her that um uncle albert is stuck on the ceiling because he's been laughing so they go to rescue him he sings i love to laugh and then mary poppins or somebody brings up they have to leave and apparently that's the antidote that gets him off the ceiling is sadness
1: yeah which all of this is terrible agree I'm sorry that you have a laughing disease. Like, what was it in What was it in Willy Wonka that they drank that made them burp? So fizzy lifting feel... drinks! Yeah, was that what was happening? Was he drinking a fizzy lifting drink?
0: Yeah, but he didn't burp. Start he just laughing? has to
1: get sad. And apparently this is a thing that happens to him a
0: lot, where it's like, oh, you all know the antidote.
1: Which is also, like, what happened? Were you cursed by a witch? Why? <laughs> he got the gift of of giggle floats. Oh, the gift of giggle floats is not it's clearly a heavy gift
0: we uh, speaking of heavy we head back to the banks house i think probably the next day and everyone's in a good mood cook's in a good mood ellen's in a good mood winifred's in a good mood the kids are in a good mood and they come down singing and george is
1: fucking pissed i wrote let kids be kids you old farty father i
0: think i wrote down winifred side-eyeing her grouchy husband is a plus i do kind of like winifred the other thing I wrote down before, sorry, just before I, um, <laughs> we move on from, um, I love to laugh is how judgmental Mary Poppins is about laughing. Oh my gosh. She's so mean. She's like, after Bert and, um, Uncle Albert both laugh, um, she mocks them both. She's like, some people laugh like you, Bert. <laughs> and some people laugh like you, Albert.
1: <laughs> practically perfect in every way and that includes not having any written goals but you're practically passive aggressive i was
0: legitimately about to say she's perfectly (laughs) passive aggressive like the
1: um
0: and i also love how so matt george continues to be mad the whole day and um he yells at mary poppins at one point and says that the children need to learn the seriousness of life
1: when does he say ship slot female thinking i also wrote down that quote which is he, around this yes yes time. yes yes
0: yes this in this discussion he's like they've been surrounded by all this like soft slip like as you what is it
1: it's like slip slip shot slip shot something female thinking like he's definitely like how dare they be influenced by your mm-hmm. womanly ways
0: I also like how he's struggling to say supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. He's like, super, Z-z-z-z-z-z-z-z. and Mary Poppins says it, and he goes, yes, well done, you said it.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> I get that. Yep, the entire time Winifred is so baffled by her husband just sitting in an armchair five feet to the left.
1: I can't say anything, I'm just a woman after all.
0: And this ends with Mary Poppins aggressively, de- like basically saying, "You're taking your kids to work tomorrow. It was your idea, after all." And he ca- um, he congratulates himself.
1: I love how Mary Poppins gaslights. <laughs> like, she's she is so domineering. She literally just she. Oh, you know what? I bet she's related to Snow White. She just comes <laughs> into people's homes and is like, "This is what we're doing. You guys better wash your hands."
0: basically because if you haven't heard this song in a while it's a reprise of um the life i lead and it starts off with him saying like the kids need to be a little bit more serious they need to learn and she interrupts and says about the life you lead they need to feel excited when profits are up they need to feel happy when banks are doing better and he's like yeah totally And she goes all right then well time for them to learn about life with you so they'll uh be ready to come to work in the morning she Yes, goes time
1: for- <laughs> there they go yeah time time for you to start to The tradition of take your kids to work day
0: (coughs) yeah and as you say she just like gaslights him into it where he's like it was your idea of course which it was not it was hers but the good news is he's fine with it
1: I mean but that's such a like That's a trope that I particularly enjoy in cinema, where you have this hard-headed, blustery man, and there's some woman or some subordinate who is like, oh, let me come up with a great idea, and they end up convincing the blustery man that it's his idea.
0: Yeah. No idea like that. And here is where we get uh, Feed the Birds, which I like, You Do Not. I think it's actually a quite pretty song, and it's not very long.
1: So this is, this is a song, I think it has more to do with the visuals than the song itself, because this is a very dark visual song. Like, it's just this dark, dark, dim bank. Yeah, exactly. And a woman sitting on a dark gray step. Like, and as a kid, I remember not liking it because it was so um, kind of antitonal to what I felt the rest of Mary Poppins was which is very light and, and fluffy in terms of their mm-hmm. lighting and set design. But it also was a lullaby. So it probably put me to sleep a little bit. Um, And maybe I was also a little confused about how a Tuppence feeds the birds directly, because then she has to still leave to go buy bird food. I think it's that she has the bird food on her and you buy it from her. Oh, that's it. Yeah. See, So I never fully understood the point of this song, and apparently I still don't.
0: Yeah, you buy you, it's a cost of tuppence to buy a bag of bird feed and you feed the birds. Oh. That's all that is. That's
1: fair. But nice um well Yeah.
0: Immediately after that is when the kids go to work at the bank and I honestly going to work with your parents
1: fucking sucks. Yes. But sometimes it can be quite fun depending on what the work is. I guess.
0: My parents worked at a university in the government, so
1: Neither of my parents worked at a bank, but I have uh, fond memories of having to go in on, like, the weekend with my dad to a pretty empty office. And my dad would just be like, I'm going to go work in my office. Don't mess anything up. And then I would go into, like, break rooms and things like that and take candy and draw, which was fun. Yeah,
0: I would do the same thing, but I'd eventually be like, I'm bored now.
1: That's very fair.
0: Um. But the kids are also bored. They're bored by the fucking finance song they get to hear.
1: I'm bored um, by the fucking finance song. We the get finance to hear.
0: song sucks, but the thing that does not suck is the elder Mister Dawes, played also by Dick Van Dyke.
1: Yes, this was this was a joy to watch Dick Van Dyke um, jump forward in time. Yes, it is,
0: it is tremendous. He does such a good job as this old man, this old grouchy crotchety man who just wants to. I get this kid to open a
1: bank account. With two two pounds. Like it's all of two two tuppence. It's one tuppence. Oh yeah, all. okay, so is it two coins equals one tuppence? I think he singularly has one tuppence. Oh yeah, he has um two coins, because he like he No, he one. only had one? Wow.
0: One singular fucking tuppence.
1: Wow. That's even more money grubbing.
0: Isn't that wild? That's what I wrote down. I'm like, what is so crazy? Why are they so aggressive with the tough I you also...
1: know, slaves of capitalism.
0: <laughs> There's a point in this song where they do, where the bankers, not including banks, do a little like w- a little nodding dance where they walk around and nod to each other. And I love how baffled George is by this dance. He sees him doing it. He's, you even see him like slow look at the camera, like not at the camera, but like slow look yeah. back to his kids like, this is what they're doing now
1: yeah it's almost like oh i have to deal with these old weirdos again yeah um and they keep
0: telling the kids about all the stuff that you know a bank can do uh and then finally michael starts opening his hand to show off the literal one fucking tuppence and elder mr bank steals it from him and is like welcome to the bank and so michael and jane immediately attack him yelling get me this crashes the economy it's hilarious (laughs) he starts an extremely literal bank run because people downstairs hear that and they're like hang on the bank is withholding money give it to me give me mine
1: yeah this this confused the hell out of me because i don't know about you but if i were to be in a bank and i just hear what definitely sounds like a five-year-old child yelling give me back my money my first thought would not be let me take all of my money as well. <laughs> but the thing is that bank
0: runs were a thing that happened a little bit more frequently. They didn't have centralized banks like they do now,
1: yeah.
0: so it would there it it was a little bit more of a thing that could happen. Banks could easily be forced into bankruptcy because of a bank run, because um, they couldn't just call up a corporate location and be like, "We need to transfer funds to this branch." They may be the only branch of that bank, or there may only be a couple other branches that may not be able to spare the capital. They may have to then try to get a loan from another bank, which may have an extremely high interest rate, or they may not be incentivized at all to loan to you, because if you go out of business, that's good for them. So it's a little harder, I think, to happen now, though I think it's not impossible. But just saying that it is a thing that was a little bit more tenuous and could have happened. This, take, this takes place in the nineteen tens. This is like the only time period that I know the smallest amount about. Everybody like I'm is like, your, We're in Titanic uh, time.
1: I was gonna say is you're like expert era, like nineteen oh nine to nineteen fourteen. You know, it kind of actually <laughs> ends around
0: the time of the search for Titanic's victims. So that's like Which is what year 19. for the rest of us. Like 1912. <laughs> okay. okay. So for a good two years, you're a perfect expert for everything going I on. Mean, in this. I'm betting you there's someone listening to this. Who's like, that is not at all how banks work, but I'm just remembering like, like they didn't have fucking capital one back then. Okay. It, yeah. Banks were a little bit easier to just like rattle around. So this could definitely, I could see where it could only take like two to three people losing their minds and be like, wait, give me my money for everyone. Dude, we've all seen a fucking panic start over nothing.
1: Well, listen, if, you, you listener who are listening to this, listen to me. If, if you were around uh, when banks were crashing, um, so all of you one hundred plus year olds that are definitely listening to our podcast, yeah, let us in. Tell us how often small children would cause economic collapses at your bank, and how many times you had to take all of your money and
0: run—literally take your money and run. Yeah. Um, but speaking of taking money and run, Michael
1: gets his tuppence back, and they leave the bank.
0: They as we see run. they sprint but as we see the bank like literally shutting down they're closing windows the police are forcing people out the doors they are locking up the safes mm-hmm. um jane and michael just sprint out in the street and eventually okay first they run into a creepy old lady who basically says never you fear children granny lied you
1: and i'm very concerned about this um she and she was not dick van dyke right like no because that would have been a really lady. good dick van dyke moment it
0: would have been but no this is just some lady but they do meet dick van dyke about two minutes later yeah he saves them he does and i i wrote that every time we see bert here he's 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 very nice to any whoever he encounters he is a bit
1: of a guardian angel isn't he
0: i think that's kind of his role in this because yeah he sees the kids and instead of immediately taking them home he's like all right let's sit down let's talk let's calm you down first And he has what I would consider to be a pretty honestly reasonable conversation with two extremely frightened children. He calms them down. Um, Michael at one point's like, he's like, oh, you've got your parents to look after you. Now who's after you? And they're like, our dad. (laughs) What's going on? And Michael says, he sent the police after us and the army and everything. And Jane just goes, Michael, don't exaggerate.
1: I think it's also worth noting that part of the reason that the children are scared of Bert is because he is covered in soot.
0: Oh, yes. He has just <laughs> climbed directly out of a chimney and onto the sidewalk with these children. He hasn't washed his face. He hasn't washed his hands. He's in blackface, like not blackface, but literally face. covered in soot he, from head to toe. Yeah. He has to tell them who he is. He's like, it's me. It's me. It's me. <laughs> Don't you remember hopping through the painting with me? what yesterday that was a great time yeah um but he sits them down and he explains to them like hey you know i i you know you guys have me for a guardian you got mary poppins your mom and dad but uh your dad's under so much stress and he's so much who's so grouchy all the times because you know he doesn't he doesn't have that he doesn't have those people he doesn't have that network yeah he doesn't
1: have that wife to be able to comfort him wait a minute
0: (laughs) ignore you know details but He basically goes on to say that, you know, he's trapped by his own life, suffering silently. And I like that Michael interrupts
1: him to say he's not very silent. Yes. And also, like, all of what Bert is telling the kids is, listen, your father is emotionally stunted because he's a man. So we need to encourage that. (laughs) <laughs> like, that's what this was just like because he's like oh your dad has to work so many hours to to take care of you and all of this stuff and he has to keep it inside because he's a man and it's not very manly to share those feelings and it's like okay Bert
0: <laughs> yeah but he does do a nice thing where he then is like all right I'll take you guys home and this is where yes. he sings uh chim chim churi
1: yes he <laughs> grieves to take the kids home as a as a kind gesture let me just walk you to your door and then the other 12 members of your household can take you yeah everyone I just listed yeah but they don't No. they they instead go oh Bert great you stranger who we've definitely never met before
0: yeah because Mary Poppins and the kids are the only ones that know him
1: yeah and Mary Poppins is on her day off
0: yeah, so the only people that know him in this household right now are the children. And Mrs. Is Banks is like, oh, you know what? You're a chimney sweep. Our chimney needs to be look at, looked after. And while you're doing that, um, you can keep an eye on my kids
1: while I go to a rally. Bye! Yeah, please, stranger, go take care of my children. I have women's work to do.
0: Yes, and uh, Bert
1: immediately gets to
0: work doing chimney sweeping. And I like how I just like how cheerful he is. Where He's like, I like chimneys. <laughs>
1: yeah yeah and he gives the kids just a little bit of a fun like look how mysterious and cool chimneys are
0: yeah and he's like you get a lot of suction in the chimney and he has his his cleaner up there and he goes he says look at michael feel this if you tug on it it feels like you're pulling on a whale on a string and mary poppins comes
1: in and is like get away from there right as though like has this happened this must have happened to mary poppins before somehow Bert, or another magical chimney cleaner, was in her home when she was supposed to be taking care of children. And the children just got sucked up the chimney and were never seen again. Do
0: you think that Bert's one of the kids she looked after?
1: Yes, because at the very beginning when he says, like, this has happened before and it will Mm -hmm. happen again, it definitely indicates that not only has he dealt with Mary Poppins, but he knows, he knows her whole deal. So he is either magic himself or he is a child i can't this child
0: (laughs) i can't tell because spoilers not spoilers the way that the nanny magic in this in this world seems to work reminds me of the fairly odd parents (laughs) um where you have your fairy godparents and your memories of them until you don't need them anymore Mm -hmm. and i think i never saw it but i think there's like an episode where we see timmy turner in the future and he has photos where they're just regular goldfish it's not cosmo and wanda anymore um and when we go to Mary Poppins Returns, Jane and Michael recognize Mary Poppins immediately. They're mm-hmm. like, oh, my God, it's Mary Poppins. But there's a point at the endish of the film where um, Michael is listening to his own children tell him stories about Mary Poppins. And he's like, Jane, all of those things that happened, all those stories from when we were kids. That was real, wasn't it? So it leads me to believe that they forgot. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I definitely think you're right that this is like a fairly odd parents type situation.
0: But then it's like Bert just extra like magic in his own way. There's something about him because he kept his, if he is, he kept all his memories. Well,
1: that's, I guess if we were getting really into it. Which seems that we are. Which which we are. Let's get into it. Let's get right into it now that we've been discussing this for an hour. If we um, look at Bert, he is either... A magical fey creature who has some type of magical powers of his own, hence why he can just summon 500 chimney sweeps, or perhaps she he is a child, like in his past he did deal with Mary Poppins, but he still needs Mary Poppins because he doesn't have like a family of his own, so she never fully abandoned him.
0: Or maybe it's kind of like my whole, my, my idea where not literally like a cleric and a deity, but sort of like an accolade of some kind where it's like, she, he keeps an eye because he obviously helps keep an eye out for these kids, you know,
1: Yeah,
0: Yeah. he's clearly around as like a helper. So maybe he's kind of like her, like an anchor point in that area where it's like, hey, when the magical nanny is here, you're our go-between, our eyes on the ground.
1: He is, um. He is to Mary Poppins what Igor is to Doctor Frankenstein.
0: Yeah, uh, basically that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, definitely that. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like. I'm not trying to find an actual purpose for him, but it's just sort of like, it's clear that the kids in this world at least are intended to forget about the magic as they get older. So if he, obviously as a full grown adult, clearly remembers Mary Poppins, knows the magic, understands the magic, it's like something is interesting about him and I'd like to know what,
1: but... um, But the kids do get sucked up. Yeah, they do. So,
0: but that's why I'm kind of like, maybe it was Bert because, but also the risk of them flying up the chimney didn't
1: happen until Mary Poppins entered the doorway, by the way. Does she just have like a magical aura and she's like, oh no, if something might be slightly off-, like, off screen, we don't see this, but dogs are being flown into the air. Babies are getting top hats. We don't know. We don't see this. Everything just
0: Red sees its way out of her path.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh God. <laughs> <Very laughs> it's um, Jesus.
0: Oh God. <laughs> well, she can't prevent everyone from flying up the chimney because uh, Jane goes up then again Bert follows them up, as does
1: Mary Poppins. And they're like, Well, I guess now that we're up here. Okay, they're all covered in soot. And Bert says <laughs> to Michael, Oh, it's just good, clean soot, Michael. And no, it is not. It is cancer personified. <laughs> Have some asbestos to go with your, your soot. Ah.
0: But they get a beautiful view of the city. Mary Poppins takes them up a smoke staircase to yeah, get that a was gorgeous great. view. Yes. And then they get lowered back down to the rooftop where they have one of, I like this song. I love Step in Time. Step in Time is a fun time. It is a fun song. I enjoy it.
1: I I like Step in Time too. And I especially liked when the weird smoke imp chimney sweeps just kind of appear. Yeah, they all just pop out of nowhere. And
0: everyone in this number dances so hard. Everyone's going (laughs) so hard I love it and going back to the old thing about musical theater actors Dick Van Dyke and Julie Andrews are too Mm
1: -hmm. exactly
0: you you can't pick out sometimes which one is Dick Van Dyke in a good way because they're all dancing like mad
1: yes they they all dance like mad and can you imagine um being in one of these houses when these chimney sweeps are all dancing on the roof and all you hear is just I don't even know if this is getting picked up I can't pick it up But, i hope not but just like 500 feet on the roof of your your house you know, like zancy. it doesn't look like it's like hailing out what the hell is going on honey the
0: insulation's dislodging
1: call the chimney sweep
0: we're starting oh, to get soot in the house yeah. i i it is a fun time i love that dick van dyke is like he's kicking higher than anyone else it's great He's giving 110%. He's not doing that thing where it's like the lead singer is dancing like 10% less than everyone else because they're going to sing. doesn't matter. He's exactly. Just like the dancing the in lead, place. Exactly. Yeah. The little pantomime thing. It's like, no, he is selling it. Like you can tell that this is hard for them. Um, but Admiral Boom becomes relevant again because he sees a beautiful high energy choreographed dance on the rooftop and thinks,
1: they're at it again. <laughs> They're at it again. Again? Who's they? Right. Doesn't he also think that we're being attacked or something like that? Like he. Yeah. <laughs> he shoots
0: fireworks at them, which causes yes. them to all jump down the Banks' chimney.
1: Is this, a, is this a regular London problem for 1910 that we don't know about? Like chimney sweeps would just start dancing on the rooftops and then, causing have, to havoc. Es-
0: and then have to escape through one designated chimney? Yes. I love that they they descend into the house and start dancing with Ellen and the cook who are having a pretty good time and then Winifred comes home and instead of being like what's going on get out she's just like oh no not right now but then they they read her badge I mean her 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 ribbon which she's still wearing and then it takes one chant of votes for women from the uh, chimney sweep before she gets so into this being part of their procession.
1: Yes votes for women step in time is all you need to get a suffragette to be like, okay, you can stay in my household, you 90 dirty, dirty men that I've never seen before. I will join in your choreograph stepping. Yeah, I will give you the votes for women um, ribbons as well. But
0: yes, but uh, George Banks comes home and uh, Mary Poppins notices that now it's about time for everyone to leave. So they all <laughs> leave the house, except for Bert, who has to get his bristles and brushes again and... Once again, Bert becomes everyone's therapist because he sits down for a talk with the next member of the Banks family, George.
1: Yes, okay. I I don't quite recall when this happened, but I did write higgity-piggity was a line that Mr. Banks said. And I thought, my thoughts exactly.
0: Yes, he was basically saying like everything's, my whole life got turned upside down. Yeah. And it's Mary Poppins's fault. She tricked me into taking the kids to the bank. And I love Bert. I don't have the exact lines, but Bert's basically like, She tricked you into spending time with your kids? That insufferable
1: cunt. Yeah. How very dare. How How very dare this outside woman say, hey, did you know that you have children? You should see them
0: sometimes. Yeah. And I think that does kind of cow Mr. Banks a little bit. And Bert points out before he winds up, he's like, you've only got so much time with your kids, you know. And... Before, and he leaves, and then before they go to bed, um, George gets a phone call.
1: <clears throat> yes. Oh, poor, poor George.
0: He gets the we need to talk from the bank. We need to talk tonight from At the bank. At 9 o'clock p.m. It's a matter of some urgency. And the kids hear this from the landing.
1: I, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which I don't know. I work life balance and all of those things that didn't exist in 1910. But no, if I were getting a call from my work that was like, it's a matter of great importance, we need you to come in at 9 p.m. No, you know, we're going to fire you,
0: right? You can do this right now and yeah. then
1: spare me. Yeah.
0: But no, uh, Jane and Michael come down because they're feeling appropriately guilty because, you know, they legitimately fucked up the entire London economy system and their dad's future. Yes. And (laughs) they're finally realizing that their actions have consequences and they give George Michael's tuppence.
1: Hey, dad, I hope that this will help you. I have no idea the value of a coin. Anything. Yeah. Yeah. And
0: then he sends him off to go meet with the Volturi. (laughs) <laughs>
1: yes yeah that's, that's it. That was so accurate this was such this was another like this was another scene that i i wasn't a big fan of um
0: i thought it was funnier as an adult
1: as an adult yes as a kid i was like oh, oh so my dumb. god get to the color like get to the nice happy colors not it, the dark red room literally get parts. out of here
0: yeah as an adult it's extremely funny um it was so funny it's hilarious so they start off by asking um basically asking george to recite the story of the boston tea party and he does and he ends the story with saying that the throwing the tea into the harbor made the tea undrinkable even for americans
1: yes that was (laughs) that was hilarious um i i just loved that they're like how do we how do we tie this into the Boston Tea Party? Like that was on somebody's mood board while they were writing the script for this. And we're just You're like right. what do we do here?
0: Exactly. Um, and then instead of just saying, like, you've been let go, they give him the weirdest, most hilarious, literal dressing down I've ever seen. So every day he wears a red carnation in his boot in his buttonhole. Again, it's a 1910. So they take the carnation and like rip it in half. And put the Little. torn half back in his
1: buttonhole. Reverse his umbrella. Yeah. By they which over... they open it too far so yes. it goes
0: whoop, to the other side. Oh and then gosh. hang it back on his arm. And
1: then they punch through his bowler cap. And put it back on his head. That was amazing and i love that the man who does all of this is probably no less than 72 years old like a yes. grown-ass man is just goes up and and very threateningly timely rips a flower in half. yes
0: because uh dick van dyke is playing elder mr dawes who is made to look like a hundred but junior mr dawes is who does the dressing down and as galley says he's definitely in his 70s like this is a yo- this is an old man yes this is a young old man young old man and then he asks george if he has anything to say and george sees the tuppence in his pocket and he kind of has a little bit of a breakdown and he just starts giggling like mad and blurts out supercalifragilisticexpialidocious
1: yeah the thing that he couldn't say before but i guess it's touched his little heart yes and it's now just kind of like fuck y'all i'm out And he leaves them with the
0: joke that he learned from Michael, who learned it from Uncle Albert, which is uh, one day, you know, I I met a guy who had a wooden leg named Smith. And my friend asked, well, what's the name of his other leg? So
1: he leaves and. (laughs) Sorry, I just like that both of us are like, that was the joke, guys
0: yep moving on um but it takes a few minutes but elder mr dawes finally gets the joke and starts laughing ever laughing like crazy and like uncle albert levitates out of his chair and the last thing we hear from that scene is the i love to laugh music kicking in as the junior mr dawes cries
1: daddy come back he's like oh daddy stop laughing yes
0: um, the next day we see that the wind has changed. The wind has changed? But what means, does that mean for our plot? Well, it means that as promised, Mary Poppins must leave. She promised only to stay until the wind changes.
1: Does that mean that it's been a week or is it been I longer? don't know.
0: Legitimately, I do not know. I googled how long is the plot of Mary Poppins or and I couldn't find
1: anything cuz so if if mary is is a fine feathered friend and she just leaves whenever the wind changes what happens if you go through like a sudden change like 2 days into her tenure is she just like sorry guys you're you're not you're you're about like midway cooked i got to go
0: i have no idea but the kids are in tears as she's packing up her carpet bag and they hear mr banks like singing and she tells them basically to stop crying and go down um your father's home and because he's in such a good mood he's calling his kids names jane michael yeah. michael goes it doesn't sound like father
1: <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what joy sounds like in that man's voice yeah
0: but she finally gets them to leave and they run downstairs and see that the their dad is holding their torn up kite the kite that they chased early in the movie which is why they lost katie nana and as soon as they see this kite they forget all about mary poppins they are excited
1: yeah mary poppins was just like i have to go now my people need me and just i guess bye everyone
0: yeah and he said and he sings the song let's go fly a kite and i like that the constable who was on the phone there to report a missing person is like explaining to the guy on the other end he's like no he's home now he's in a good mood he's saying go fly a kite and then you see him blink and look embarrassed he goes well I don't mean you personally (laughs) I did like that line too me too and then they go fly a kite
1: they do and not only do they fly a kite but every other character in this movie happens to be flying a kite at the exact same time
0: yeah including the junior Mr. Dawes,
1: who just flat out casually says oh father died laughing last night yeah and
0: appropriately mr and mrs banks both look really sad and they're like i'm so sorry
1: yeah but he's just like no i got his inheritance that's all that matters and he's i'd never seen him happier yeah that was a really good line
0: It was, and he also says his death opened a space for a junior partner, and he gives Mr. Banks a whole carnation. It means he's been chosen again. He has been re-chosen. And then we cut to Mary Poppins having a conversation with her umbrella, which, fun fact, is also voiced by David Tomlinson, who we also now know as George Banks.
1: Yes. So this is the first time that her umbrella speaks first and only and that completely threw me off because i was like why did you not establish the fact that she has a magic pa- like parrot talking umbrella in the beginning right but, until now yeah but i guess we can't all get what we want
0: no nope. and mary poppins uh just opens her umbrella picks up her cover bag and flies away into the distance with her feet perfectly uh in Pigeon First toad,
1: yeah. yeah, yeah. She fucks off, yep. and 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 I think it's good that she didn't return because the Simpsons episode shows. Because I have to wrap this up with the Simpsons. The- that if Mary Poppins did return, they would just use her as a slave. It's <laughs> just straight up go. No, nah, I didn't learn anything. Thanks for coming back and being our full time slave. All right, we love you. Bye. We love you. Bye. But instead. <clears throat> Farewell, Mary Poppins. Until we meet again in forty, fifty years, how long was it until the sequel?
0: Uh this came out in 1964. The sequel came out in 2018. Okay, Eight. so that amount of time. Yeah, I can't do math that fast and I don't if I do it, I have to actually write it down by hand.
1: Yeah. <laughs> You're doing the math. She's doing the math, everyone. we I do have, need to actually hear this.
0: I was going to... I wrote it down in my book. But I was going to ask you while I am attempting to do calculations. um, Did you like this movie and do you recommend it?
1: I am 50-50 on both. So I say that because overall, yes, I liked this movie and I do recommend it. But... 54 years. 54 years. Oh, those kids should be much older than I bet they are in the sequel. Um, But... I recommend Mary Poppins if you are a fan of musicals if you're not a fan of musicals probably going to only want to watch about like 15 minutes of this movie um I liked it there's a lot of things that I was not as as big of a fan of as a kid that I'm still not a big fan of as an adult but Mm -hmm. one thing I 100% did like was her beautiful white and red dress that she wore yes Mm -hmm. wonderful
0: but what about you I did like this and I do recommend it. Mary Poppins is one of my favorite movies. I think it's a lot of fun. I think that it's got a lot of memorable moments. There's some excess. I think that I could personally cut about 15 to 20 minutes of this movie out and be totally fine with it. But I think that a majority of the movie works and it's cute.
1: That's for sure. it's definitely a cute movie.
0: It is. And it's fun. And the one thing I do like, actually, is that even though there's that little flirty sequence, I do like that there isn't an explicit romance in it because it is a yes. bit of a break that gives you a chance to just focus on the wonder of the
1: story. Yeah, totally agree with that. I'm I'm always for uh, movies that don't have romantic subplots in them.
0: <laughs> Same. And it's not because either of us are against romance for any any reason. It's because, you know, it's nice to be able to have an unpredictable plot point.
1: Yes. But that leads us to next week.
0: I was like, "What am I supposed to ask you? What's next week?"
1: Well, speaking of romantic subplots that completely ruin the movie, we will be talking about the Jungle Book. I need to
0: get a sound bite of that kid and insert it where the kid's going. Oh man, there's a woman in the story. Oh yeah, (laughs) because I actually I, i i have already watched the Jungle Book, guys. I don't mean to alarm everybody. Oh, my God. Uh, I was like what? Um, what? But one thing that I actually write down because of that is, oh, man, there's a woman in the story. That is not my default for whenever that kind of thing happens, because it's like, sometimes it be like that. Sometimes it do be like that. Yeah, sometimes it just be like, oh, man, there's a woman in the story.
1: Well, do we want to take two women out of the story? Us. I was and like, what?
0: Okay, yeah. <laughs> we... I think we can do that because I hear a gust of wind outside and I want to make sure that there's not a, du- like, Lado's not going to bark, um, bark an urgent message at
1: me. That's very, very important. So we'll see you next week, I guess. Indeed we will. So long, Glamour Boys. So long, Glamour Boys. Damsels Who Discuss is created and produced by Crows Nests Podcast. Your hosts are Galli Articola and Alexia Thurumalai.
0: You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash damsels who discuss all one word
1: on Instagram at Instagram.com slash damsels who discuss all one word again.
0: And on Twitter at twitter.com slash damsels who disco, because Twitter has a character limit.
1: Or you can also email us at damsels who discuss at gmail.com. So long glamour boys. So long glamour boys. <laughs>